0: and these end times do you remember when uh, when they are now we are living in the end times now beginning in Pentecost and closing when Jesus returns but we are now in the end times so in this light we come to Paul's he's coming to the end of his epistle This, he has a primary, urgent, earnest concern. And the thing, there's something that is weighing on his heart and his mind as he sits in the dark Roman prison. He's coming to the conclusion of his very last letter. He's awaiting his execution, and he's passing the baton of ministry to his young apprentice, Timothy. And so he says this, I charge you Timothy in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is the judge of the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom. Now what if I were to say I charge you cross and crown in the presence of God and his Christ. Okay. Well, that's what Paul is telling Timothy and us. The charge is to us. He's saying, I bind you to a duty. I lay upon you a task. I hold you to this sacred trust. And I'm not, it's not just me, Timothy. It's not just me, cross and crown, but it's in the presence of God and Christ Jesus before the holy and almighty witnesses the eternal father and the blessed son and then he adds Jesus who is the judge of the living and the dead in his appearing with the kingdom and that means that Christ is going to hold you accountable Timothy Christ is going to hold us accountable cross and crown when he comes with the burden of this charge And so what is this urgent charge? Preach the word. Preach, proclaim, declare, tell, speak the word. And this preaching is not limited to, for those of you who think, oh, at least I'm not a preacher. This This is not limited to formal sermons at a pulpit. Because this is for all speaking by all the saints all the time and anywhere. Remember when Jesus heals the demoniac at the Gerasenes with the Gerasenes in Luke 8. So he heals the demoniac. The demoniac wants to go with Jesus. He loves Jesus. He wants to stay with him. But Jesus says, no, I want you to go back. He uh, He says, go back home and tell everyone how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told... And this told is the same word that Paul is using to preach. And he preaches to the whole town about everything that Jesus has done for him. Beloved, the gospel did not spread throughout the Mediterranean world. It did not spread throughout the Middle East. It did not go into Africa because chiefly, of the great preachers like Paul or Peter or Apollos the way it spread was through the gossiping of the gospel by ordinary Christians this is one thing that was very emphatic by one of my professors at seminary is that it's the gossiping of the gospel just in threaded in all our talk is what spreads the word now if it's by, by ordinary Christians, I want to ask, are there any ordinary Christians here at Cross and Crown? Or, okay, there, there, okay. So the rest of you are extraordinary, so it's, it just means double for you, okay? But we are all preachers. We are all heralds. We are all messengers we are all witnesses of the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what are we to preach we are to preach the word and what Paul is talking about the word is mean the entirety of revelation he says in Acts 20 he calls it the whole counsel of God which means the hard bits as well as the easy bits Peter says it's everything pertaining to life and godliness it's all the scripture is what's meant to be gossiped, preached by ordinary Christians as they go about through their lives. Jesus says, as he's walking with that, the two down to Emmaus, he is giving one of the best Bible studies that there ever was in, in Luke chapter 24. He says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself all scripture the old testament and the new testament together bear witness to jesus christ it is one story with one hero and that's our hero jesus christ right now here's the good part there are only two occasions when you have to preach when i have to preach so this is a bit of a breather we have to preach in season and out of season so we have to preach when it's convenient and when it's inconvenient we have to preach when the times are favorable and when they're unfavorable when it's popular and when it's unpopular when it's welcome and when it is unwelcome because that's exactly what jesus did and that's exactly what paul did if you think of if you just follow the career of paul He preached the word to enthusiastic crowds in the synagogue, and he preached the word to violent mobs who, because of his preaching, were trying to tear him apart. He preached before kings in palaces, and he preached quietly over the dinner table with friends. And what's the nature of this preaching? Well, Paul tells us it includes reproving, rebuking, exhorting, and all of these things are meant to be done with patience And teaching instruction so reproving reproving means it 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 means to tell someone where or how they have missed the mark or they've come up short in their lives in their thoughts in their talk it also means uh, when they've crossed the line when they've trespassed when they've gone into prohibited territory they, they need to be reproved the thing though is is reprove is a gentle correction so remember when Jesus is talking with quietly with the woman who was caught in adultery she's the, uh, she's brought forth she's accused they're about to stone her and then Jesus says, "Well, he who is without sin cast the first stone and beginning with the older ones they drop their stones and they walk away and then it's just Jesus and the lady and he says woman where are your accusers has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. He's gently, sweetly, but firmly reproving her. And then there's the rebuke. This is a stern reprimand when there is sin. It's a severe correction to a gross offense And Jesus also sharply rebukes he says to the Pharisees woe to you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law justice mercy and faithfulness now if you notice when Jesus rebukes it's usually those who should know better I remember I had to do both with my older daughter, uh, Lauren. Uh, when she was very small, she had a propensity to go bolting out the gate and running out into the street. For some reason, that was just a thing that she had to do. So the first time, I just, I reproved her, honey, we, we don't, don't do that, uh, and here's why. And then we wait until a car went by. If that were to hit you, that would hurt. So, you know, very gentle, but it was a reproof. But I knew she was gonna do it again. And so I was ready to rebuke her and so she did she just bolted out and I ran right after I and then there was no talking after that. I just took her back to the back room and I rebuked her bottom (laughs) and it was effective. But we're not just to reprove or rebuke we're also to exhort. We're also to encourage, we're to hearten. We are to embolden someone earnestly, to offer them hope, to, off, to inspire them to strive to do what is right, to do what is good, to be kind, and so forth. And that's what the, the writer of Hebrews says. He says, spur one another on to love and good works. Come on, we can do it. I remember, you know, encouragement is, everybody needs encouragement and it's so easy to do and it's so much fun to do sometimes it's just a hand on a shoulder you're you're okay you can do it but we have to do all of these things with patience we have to endure difficulties or difficult people we have to endure the challenges we have to endure opposition without becoming frustrated or discouraged patient entails a wise calm, firm approach to ministry, approach to preaching, approach to discipleship in the face of resistance or in the face of ignorance or in the, in the face of slow progress. And patience, I'm sorry to say, takes time by its nature. And you know who really has to exercise patience with us? It's God. When God wants to make a squash, he takes three months. But when God wants to make a redwood, he takes a 100 years. And so God is making us into oaks, cedars, redwoods. And so let's be patient with each other. And it also requires kindness. My friends, there isn't one person here who isn't fighting a great battle. There isn't one person here who isn't struggling with something heavy. And so be kind to each other. If you know your own difficulties, that the life with God is so often uphill, then be kind and patient. And this is done with instruction. Teach how. Coach how show how it's done. Don't don't lose your cool because people don't know and they aren't obeying because they need to be taught. You know, my, my younger daughter, she had a, uh, a golfing coach and uh, she was just learning you know and this this coach, uh, so they, they were on the putting green. Huntley and I are watching from afar. Huntley and I are both you know we were both educators and so we're watching how this coach is educating our child. Well, so, uh, so every time the child would miss a, pit, a, a putt, then they would have to run laps around the green. Or they would have to do push-ups. Now, how, do you think my daughter was a better putter after that? No. What she needed was instruction, not punishment. And so we're to instruct. And the question now is, is why is Paul so solemn, so earnest, so urgent that we preach the word? He says, for the time is coming in verses three and four, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off to myths. People will not endure sound teaching. They will not stomach sound doctrine. Beloved, that time has come. That time is here now. People will reject the teaching that they really need for teaching that they really want. Karl Barth, who was a great Lutheran uh, theologian and pastor during uh, Nazi Germany in the 1930s and 40s, and he was a mentor to Dietrich Bonhoeffer. When the, with the rise of Nazi Germany and the rise of Hitler in, in the nation, he preached against Nazi propaganda, he preached against the promotion of a Messiah-like Führer who was, who was to be Adolf Hitler. He preached against their racist programs. He preached against this distinctive German superiority. And the German Christians condemned Bart for his criticism of the Nazis and for Hitler. And they asked him, where do you get such ideas? And Bart's defense was, it's in the text. But people will have itching ears. People will crave to hear what caters to their own individual tastes or their own popular populist uh, appetites. Words that often offer immediate gratification or a certain visceral satisfaction, but aren't the word. They will accumulate for themselves false teachers to suit their passions, and in the process, they'll wander away from reality and into wish dreams of their own. And beloved, there have been false teachers and false prophets from the very start that the snake slithered into the garden. And our time is no exception. Russell Moore, who uh, was, is the editor-in-chief of Christianity Today, an international magazine, he has pastors who have been coming to him and writing to him saying, pa- they will tell him, look, we, we quote scripture, we quote the Sermon on the Mount, and we'll, we'll include things like love your enemy or turn, turn your cheek, And people will come up to the pastors afterwards and they will say where did you get these liberal talking points and the and the pastor will say I'm literally quoting Jesus right now and their response is yes but that doesn't work anymore that's weak and finally Paul says as for you Timothy and here he's, he's, grasping his lapels. This is a, a literary equivalent of grasping his lapels. And he's saying, as for you, Timothy, preach the word. He says, be sober minded, keep a cool and clear head, fix your mind on the word, especially in the midst of all these challenges, all these temptations, all these distractions, be disciplined thoughtful and true in your approach to life and ministry keep your head stay sober I'm just going back to uh, the 1930s in Germany there's a, a poster that I had up on my wall when I was uh, at uh, pushridge Christian Academy and it, apparently it attracted a lot of attention to the students and finally some of them came in and he said mr. Cooney what's what's that poster on your on your uh, bookcase and uh, And well, what it was, was a poster, a huge crowd enthusiastically giving the Hitler salute. And they thought, what's wrong with Mr. Cooney? He's got this, got this poster. Well, circled right one man in this crowd of hundreds was a guy like this. And... I wanted that poster because everybody else is falling for the Messiah, the false Messiah, the false teacher, the false prophet, and there's only one guy who's standing like this. Now, that guy paid the price for it, but the thing is, he's remembered for not saluting. He was sober minded when everybody else was losing their heads. And then Paul says, Endure suffering. If you endure, uh, or rather, if you preach the truth, if you obey the truth, if you love the truth, if you live by the truth, you're going to catch flack, as one pastor says. And flack is strong criticism. You know, I'm just so proud to say that uh, there was one uh, little family here at Cross and Crown who was just telling me that they, they expect to catch flack. They they have read the reading they have uh, read the writing on the wall, and they know that the that the false prophets and the false teachers and their teachings are closing in on their profession, and so they know that they are not going to submit to the sexual orientation and gender identity propaganda, and so they they know that when that time comes, not whether but when. That they're gonna, they're gonna, they're prepared to lose their job. And that, that is somebody who's prepared, who understands that they're gonna preach the word, stand by the word, and they're gonna endure the suffering if it comes to them. And then uh, Paul says, Do the work of an evangelist, be a bringer of good news, be a herald of the gospel, be a, a witness to the truth. Testify to Jesus Christ. Contend for the faith. Give a reason for the hope that is within you. Go and make disciples. Be the one who goes around the town and tells everybody what Jesus has done for you. And in this culture, the evangelist is a subversive. The evangelist is a resistance fighter, an insurgent, a one who's joined with the ranks with the king in in the rescue operation to plunder Satan's house and rescue people. That's who the evangelist is because good news rescues sinners. Good news brings life to the dead. Good news sheds light to those who are languishing in darkness. Good news liberates those who are in prison. And good news strengthens us, the saints. It builds the church. It advances the kingdom. And it brings glory to God. And then the last thing he says, still holding on to Timothy's lapels, (laughs) drawing him closer, Timothy, fulfill your ministry. Do your job. Do you know what your ministry is? Do you know what part of the mission you are engaged in. Because whatever it is, it's going to include, whatever your giftedness, whatever your temperament, it's going to include preaching the word, in season and out. In these last days, these end times, Paul tells us to straighten up, raise your head, preach the word. Why? Because our redemption is drawing near. And the peace of God that transcends all of our understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and uh, we will continue on page 8. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, Everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father